Hello and welcome to another edition of Film Seizure Streams the Movies. I'm Jeff Harbuckle and I'm back with another entry from Seth Breedlove and Small Town Monsters. Now not too long ago I got a chance to take a look at one of his Bigfoot entries called On the Trail of Bigfoot. Uh, now, previously, I watched um, more of the one-off documentaries on Momo the Missouri Monster and the Mothman Legacy. Um, now, and I've said it before that I'm a big fan of what Breedlove brings uh, to the discussion of cryptids and other supernatural creatures. In fact, I have previously given very high praise to the Mothman Legacy and Momo for both being kind of studying the local legends in question from two sides of a folklore coin. On one side, you have the appreciation and admiration of the Mothman in West Virginia, while the locals in the small Missouri town uh, where the Momo legend began want to kind of move on and forget about the stories that started circulating out of the area as they didn't really want to have to deal with the attention that comes from a very likely untrue story. And it's all really very interesting stuff. Now, with the last entry of theirs that I looked at on the trail of Bigfoot, The Journey, I admitted that I'm not a huge fan of the Bigfoot legend. And let's not get me wrong here. I love the big hairy oaf. Um, but I kind of feel like that you know, it's he's kind of the reigning champ of North American cryptids and has all the fans that he really needs. I can be at peace that he has enough people looking for and talking about him. That didn't mean that I disliked that documentary. In fact, I actually quite liked it for uh, slightly different reasons than what I liked about uh, the Mothman Legacy and uh, Momo the Missouri Monster. It was a little bit more personal of a tale uh, with you know, Seth Breedlove kind of getting back out into the world with the pandemic going on and everything. But this new entry on the trail of UFOs, dark sky uh, brings with it all sorts of opinions. Again, I'm not worried about UFOs and aliens not having enough fans in the world, maybe above vampires, werewolves and other changelings and local legend monsters and stuff. Aliens are the collective cultural supernatural creature that we all basically share all over the globe. And I just don't honestly know how I specifically feel about the topic. UFOs are easy. They are, there are plenty of things in the sky that can be classified as an unidentified flying object. None of those things have to be alien in origin or little green men. Uh, it might literally just be a satellite or weather balloon or plane or hell, just a trick of the eyes caused by light. That said, I am a believer that we are absolutely not alone in the universe. Uh, the place is just simply too vast and there are just too many situations that could exist. And, you know, there are so many secrets of the cosmos and our universe as a whole for us to say definitely and definitively that we are alone or that other forms of life and intelligent life at that wouldn't be completely different than what we expect. Uh, but with that said, I do think it might be highly unlikely that we've really ever been visited or that we are currently being observed by that otherworldly group of beings. Now, again, 
with all of that being said, and with all of these types of stories that Mr. Breedlove and crew do tell, I find the idea and the topic fascinating nonetheless. Now, in this one, our primary investigator and interviewer for this film is Shannon Legros. And Legros uh, introduces herself by asking the viewer, uh, what do we see when we look up in the sky? And being from Las Vegas, she rarely sees anything in the night sky because of all the lights and the various, uh, you know, the, the pollution in the air and so forth. But she wants to still collect the stories of those who see something else. And she makes a big point of saying that she's a person who goes out and collects stories, which really kind of lines up very nicely with what I like about these uh, these small town monster documentaries and how uh, how they go out and they search for people who have something to say, who have a story to tell, um, you know, and they talk about the folklore, the legends of the area, the various uh, histories of the area and so forth. Um, so, you know, but, you know, like I said, she still really wants to kind of collect those stories. And, and she, that's what she calls herself, a collector of the stories. So she and Seth Breedlove go out to West Virginia asking locals about stories of things that, you know, they, they might have seen when they look up at the sky, both daytime and nighttime. Naturally, the West Virginia connection to the Mothman comes up almost as if to remind us that West Virginia might ha might be a bit of a hot spot for these types of supernatural experiences. And Legros tells us some history about Wheeling, West Virginia. And Wheeling is kind of known as the city of lights here on this side of the country. Um, as it is an interestingly bustling gateway town on the Ohio River. And I always kind of think of Wheeling, and I've driven through it a few times, uh, various vacations I've taken, especially if you drive out to Washington, D.C. from where I live in Indianapolis, you drive straight through Wheeling to get uh, into that kind of mid-Atlantic area. And I always kind of think of that um, as that gateway. And, and it's the, it's the town that you travel through that takes you out of the Midwest into the mid Atlantic region of the United States. Um, it has a kind of a dark history as the native Americans in the area would try to discourage people from settling the area by putting decapitated heads on pikes around the area to basically scare off any settlers or any outsiders. Now, eventually it was heavily settled from the folks uh, from the east coming through the Appalachia Mountains. And Appalachia uh, has an almost familial con uh, connection from the north to the south and the east and the west. Uh, people of Appalachia seem to have a shared culture and uh, kind of past stories and their various lore all around with each other in this kind of thin strip of the United States. So it sets up this idea that this goes beyond people thinking they saw something or their eyes were playing tricks on them or what have you. It almost feels like, uh, like they're legends being passed down from one generation to the next and perpetuated on for centuries at this point. Now, as a bonus, Seth and Shannon head to uh, Flatwoods, West Virginia, where the famed Flatwoods monster, uh, which might just be one of the very coolest of cryptids in its appearance and the description that's given to it. Uh, that's where that comes from. 
Uh, and they stop in at the town's Flatwoods Monster Museum and ask about a rash of sightings uh, that came basically in the wake of the monster sighting, uh, the original sighting in early, uh, I think it was the early 50s, like 1952 maybe around that time. Uh, what's kind of great is how this museum acts as kind of this epicenter where it gives people who have a story to tell about things, bizarre things that they've seen. Um, it really gives them a place to tell those stories without the fear of them being laughed at or thought of as crazy and so forth. And it's, it's kind of a sweet little, uh, side story that's, that's talked about here. It's like, well, if this place is dedicated to the Flatwoods monster, then clearly, uh, people feel like they can go there and talk about UFO sightings or maybe the Mothman or whatever. Um, and they, they just, they feel safe in doing that. And that's, that's a really kind of a nice thing um, because not everybody who sees these types of, of things are the yokels that we tend to kind of picture in our heads where it's like, Oh, it's some yokel out in the middle of nowhere getting beamed up by a UFO and, uh, getting you know probed or whatever we those are common jokes that that we hear about about these types of people but a lot of them are not that um and and it's and i have a little bit more to say about that here eventually but um so uh but we also do hear how all this kind of connects back to sightings that happened shortly after um, and, and, you know, around the Wheeling area. And there are a few hard facts that come from some cases that are actually rather compelling that they talk about in this. Not only uh, that there are, uh, you know, uh, attempts to kind of bury the story as well as kind of, uh, ranging from like a goofy name that the creature was given by the local paper, which they called it bashful Billy, um, to the fact that, this, uh, one of the crashes that happened, um, and the sightings that occurred after the, uh, Flatwoods monster story kind of broke, uh, kind of happened in a lower income part of the wheeling area, which only made it easier for people to forget about what was being reported or just simply ignore it. Um, but then as the sixties came along, the reports of sightings, poltergeist, the Mothman, etc., it really kind of started to kick up in the, in numbers, uh, all across West Virginia and all across the country and, uh, as well. And there also started to be reports of men in black being in the area too. And we kind of hear this really creepy story of a truck driver who encounters a telepathic alien who appears to be friendly. Uh, that being asked the driver some questions and leaves, but not before leaving a cryptic message saying, quote, we will see you again. Um, and this story is, is the type of spooky alien story that leaves you with kind of goosebumps. Uh, and I have more to say about that here in just a moment, but I think that's what makes this documentary really kind of work for me. Of course, I love hearing the stories of the people. I love the histories of the areas they, you know, that the crews visit. 
however, most stories about aliens tend to deal with like nighttime encounters and uh, spooky creatures or crafts that just simply observing the person telling the story. It's something that I think really kind of unsettles us as a species, right? I mean, like, think about it. We don't want to think that we're insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, for the deeply religious, they really don't want to think that we're not the only chosen beings by God. Uh, we want to feel special and superior, whatever that means. And we also don't like the idea of being watched and studied as individuals. So something more powerful, different, unexplainable, you know, we're really kind of scared by this. And, you know, whenever there are, you know, stories told about aliens and uh, sometimes movies like uh, Communion and Fire in the Sky have really scary moments in those movies that stick with you when you watch them. I mean, that's just something that I think I just kind of grew up with an innate fear of that unexplained, uh, that creepy thing that kind of descends from the heavens and, and studies me or, or tries to communicate with me. It's, um, even down to like the friendlier creatures, like, uh, like what's seen, not, not like ET, ET is a wholly different thing. That's almost like making friends with a stuffed animal, but like with, uh, close encounters of the third kind, even those aliens are, are scary, in a way um and and how they're represented in that movie is just i think it's just kind of become part of my own personal upbringing and maybe kind of seeped into the zeitgeist of the 80s in particular but um i think you know like i said it's um you know it, it's really what i think makes this documentary work for me but then yeah, I, I can't ignore the one thing that I really love about the work that, that Breedlove and, and crew do with these documentaries. You know, it's regardless of what most people would think, regardless of what I personally think about the topic covered, regardless of just about anything else, these people are telling their stories. And regardless of their age, their status, etc., they are taken seriously by this crew. Um, they are not mocked. They are simply asked questions and asked to tell their stories. And I really love that. I may not necessarily believe that all of these sightings are extraterrestrial. And sure enough, one witness does speak uh, to the fact that there are several military bases in West Virginia due to low population density. Um, and that might lead to extra sightings with various aircraft and so forth. And I don't believe for a second that these people are necessarily crazy or stupid or, you know, like I said, the yokels that we typically think of. They saw something they can't explain and they want to talk about it. And they are all level headed and seemingly, um, you know, very intelligent people with critical thinking skills, as they explain. It. I mean, there are people who even say, well, I know what I saw was a UFO. It's an unidentified flying object. I'm not here to say that it's an alien. I, I don't know what I saw. I would love to know what I saw. You know, those are, those are things that I think are really, really 
uh, interesting. And, and I think that really makes this documentary work. And I'll, I'll circle back around to that idea here in just a moment. But um, at the halfway point of this documentary, we shift gears into a more sinister angle with the stories of the men in black, peculiar men in ill-fitting suits and weird speech patterns who tend to kind of show up about a day or two after a report of a sighting. Um, a story is told about a guy showing up to interview witnesses and just being kind of otherworldly in his appearance and his in his way. It's very bizarre and kind of goes against what you'd think. And it's certainly what you would see in Hollywood depictions. You know, they aren't Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Let's just say that. Um, now, the star of this documentary, as much as it could be a star of this documentary, I would say is Indrid Cold. Uh, a good chunk of this documentary kind of evolve, kind of revolves around Cold. Um, now, Indrid Cold is the uh, being that the trucker encountered that I mentioned previously, and it's a creature that might have been involved with the Men in Black. Um, it, those stories kind of uh, intertwine a little bit, and it might be connected to several other sightings and encounters not just in West Virginia, but all over the country and so forth. It's definitely giving you the chills in this documentary. And if you go a little bit further on your own down that rabbit hole, it gets much creepier and don't do what I did and look up pictures of the smiling man, AKA injured cold late at night. Um, however, the true charm and heart of this documentary is in the interviews. It doesn't matter if it is, you know, if it's uh, people, uh, relaying that, you know, now folklorish Ingrid Cold tale or injured Cold tale, or if it is, uh, you know, people talking uh, about the area or simply talking about their own experiences. Uh, that respect from Breedlove and LeGrove really just shines through here. I personally grew up in the heyday of Ripley's Believe It or Not, Unsolved Mysteries, Sightings, and so forth. And those were shows that lean much more on playing to the viewer's own desire to believe the unbelievable small town monsters goes one step beyond that whether it is Breedlove or legro uh they aren't you know leading with their own conclusions they aren't simply finding out about stuff and asking questions and giving people or I should say they are uh, simply finding out about stuff about the area, asking questions and just really kind of giving people the chance to tell their stories. And I cannot stress that enough. These documentaries I've watched from small town monsters are not trying to fit their investigations to an already drawn conclusion. They start with the monster or the number of reports about something and they go to that area without a narrative that they are trying to come to like a gotcha of affirming anything. Um, there are stories and conversations that are compelling to help you come to your own conclusion. Some people claim they don't see anything until they've arrived in the hotspot area. Uh, the later part of the documentary uh, gets into the discussion around a huge radio dish at, I believe it's Green Bank, West Virginia. That a, wet, uh, that a witness has some curious photos of something that probably shouldn't be there considering it's a no-fly zone uh, in order for that radio dish to actually do what it's supposed to do. Um, there are, you know, going back to the Flatwoods monster, there's documented stuff about burns and a death that kind of coincide with that sighting. It's here to be mulled over and considered. And also, 
Remember why these things are called UFOs. They are unidentified flying objects. They literally could be anything up to and including aliens. Um, now, when the crew sees something unidentifiable themselves, they have questions, sure. Uh, there's also an interesting turn that this investigation takes based on the reported sightings locations uh, that might help explain things one way or another that adds a bit of a wrinkle as a kind of a final stinging cliffhanger of sorts. Uh, but all in all, this really did you know, the, hold my attention on that purely base curiosity about the unknown stuff. Um, and that's something that small town monsters has been extremely consistent with, uh, in what I viewed from them so far. If you're personally interested in UFOs and aliens, whether you believe in them or are a skeptic, uh, I can definitely recommend this documentary. Um, again, it's the respect that's given to both sides, whether you're a skeptic or uh, a believer there, it's treated with respect and it's just hearing what people believe they saw or or physically saw or whatever the case may be um and if you're curious where you can get your eyeballs on on the trail of ufos dark sky you have several options it is available today august 3rd 2021 at smalltownmonsters.com if you want a physical copy of the dvd or the blu-ray that's where you would want to go it's also available to rent or own on several streaming platforms like itunes amazon prime video voodoo and fandango now well that brings this out of this world edition of film caesar streams the movies to a close if you want to find more from us you can catch the film caesar podcast every wednesday morning at filmseizure.com as well as soundcloud apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher TuneIn, spotify and audible you can also check out my show, Monster Mondays, um, at all of the same places each Monday afternoon where I take a look at a uh, monster movie of some sort. And I always find three things that I like about the movie, no matter how good or bad it is. Um, we're uh, steadily getting back into the swing of reviewing newer releases again. So uh, to stay up to date on all things Film Seizure, just follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for us there under film seizure so until next time keep watching the skies and don't forget to save me the spot at the end of the couch